0: Child, an opportunity unfolds before you, a rare gift wrapped in the folds of destiny. No need to traverse the valley of hardships that lay ahead. Instead, you could transcend it all. The key lies within my words, a coded salvation as ominous signs wreathe the world around us. It begins innocuously, like an innocent hum, a whisper from the heavens. It teases the back of your throat, tickling your senses until it builds, culminating in a deafening celestial trumpet the harbinger of torment, the harbinger of a trial lasting three long years. Four times the heavens have cried out each cycle darker than its predecessor. As the echoes of the fifth trumpet begin to ebb, a window for escape will be presented. That once gentle tickle returns as an impending omen, an anomaly piercing through the sky. The tone deepens, amplifying, sending ripples of trepidation through your very core, a testament to the cataclysm awaiting. The prior quartet of trumpets had dealt with worldly disasters, horrifying yet recognizably terrestrial. But the new terror promises an aberration, an entity that transcends the physical realm. Your science cannot define it. The earth and the stars are not its domain. It embodies the archaic, the supernatural, defying your rational beliefs. This anomaly is Wormwood, the abomination, Abaddon, the banished in Hebrew lore, and Apollyon, the destroyer to the Greeks. He controls the gateway to a realm filled with unspeakable horrors, a pit so profound that its depth transcends time, predating even the birth of light. Recall, dear one, our previous encounter after the second trumpet. You were granted a vision of the pools of abyss. Seek them out now. A trio of sacred waters cradled by a formation of stone akin to a tea. When bathed in the light of the rising bloody moon, the long shadows of the rocks forge the silhouettes of men. Stand at the intersection of the waters, respecting the symbolic significance of the site. Each pool has a title, the pierced left hand, the pierced right hand, and the pierced foot. A symbolic preparation for the imminent blessings of the pierced abdomen, an ethereal spearhead that will pierce you. Your body will endure no visible wound, but you will bleed internally, filling the hollows within your being you will become the fourth pool, a living sacrifice. When the pain causes your body to falter, ensure you collapse into one of the pools, not on the barren earth. Failure would seal your fate, banishing you to a life hunted by angels and demons alike, carrying the curse of Cain. However, success brings awakening in a gloomy, stone-built cathedral, candles flickering in silent prayer. You're at a crossroads of worship, mirrored by the triad of mirrors mirroring the orientation of the sacred pools. Discard the wet chill that clings to your skin. Hasten, child, for time bends differently in this realm. Turn your attention to the altar, where a figure kneels in the shadows, patiently awaiting your arrival. Approach it gently, cautiously, aware that every step is a step towards an unknown destiny. The entity before you stands tall and cloaked, its form shrouded in an aura of solemnity. Its whispers fill the room, strange incantations, prayers woven from threads of an arcane dialect. Approach only if it prays, for any disruption is seen as a sacrilege punishable by death. Kneel before it, head bowed in respect, eyes lowered. Patience, child. It senses your presence and in its own time, it will acknowledge you. If you're found unworthy, well, such possibilities are too dreadful to consider. Once it asks, respond promptly. I seek passage over the bridge. Do not falter, child. Show courage even as its towering figure looms over you. I seek knowledge of the divine, the true image of God. As you utter these words, the entity stirs. Shut your eyes as it lifts its hooded head, its body creaking like the rustling of autumn leaves. It inhales your scent, its fingers tracing an unseen path in the air above you, an ethereal caress leaving you untouched. A deep breath escapes from the entity, its warmth caressing your skin. It enfolds your head within its skeletal grasp, one hand cradling your face, the other tracing the curve of your neck. Despite your closed eyes, you can sense its satisfaction, perceive its smile. With an abruptness that startles you, it lifts you from the ground, its grip a mixture of sensual enticement and primal violence. You're suspended mid-air, brought closer to the obscured face nestled within the worn, dark hood. Its breath tingles on your skin, saliva droplets plummeting down, crashing onto the stone floor below. From the shadows, a scabbed tongue emerges, its cold, lumpy texture exploring your features until it lingers on your closed eyes. Its insistent prodding causes pressure to build within your head, a violation of your fragile orbs hidden behind the veil of eyelids. As the tongue thrashes, its scabbed surface feels like feverish tiny embers. Fingers find your eyelids scratching with a furious desperation, as if to pry open the doors to your sight. Resist, child, close your eyes tighter against this invasion. The tongue withdraws and a silence descends. Be patient, keep your eyes sealed, wait for the next stage. In the quietude you discern a sound, not quite a song, more a melodious hum. Listen, as it whispers a tale lost in the folds of time. This narrative tells of the angels, the children of heaven, who became infatuated with the image of man. Drawn to humans by an insatiable hunger and thirst, they descended upon the peak of Mount Ardis, devouring all that mankind created. They reveled in the pleasures of the flesh, sight, taste and intellect, teaching mankind sorcery, metalwork, healing herbs, agriculture and mathematics. They awakened man's mind emancipating them from the Divine Father, becoming deities in their own right. However, their deeds provoked the Creator. Furious, he tampered with reality, warping the strands of fate, establishing a new paradigm of predestined plans. The angels were judged and condemned for their transgressions, consigning both themselves and humanity to eternal suffering. Yet, hope persisted. They discovered a loophole in man. They shaped and molded mankind in their image, creating the Nephilim, the seed of the original sin, offering them a glimpse of salvation. This saga of deception, retribution, and salvation is whispered to you, revealing secrets hidden within the tapestry of existence, a bridge to the unknown. It ends with a promise, a grim affirmation. I shall grant thee thy request, for it is born of the holiest of lives, the life that sprouted the original sin. The grand harvest will arise from that seed, a seed superior to all fruits of the knowledge of good and evil, bearing forbidden knowledge that entraps the Creator within His own laws. It enables the trickery of the All-Seeing One and betrays the body of the All-Knowing. Yet be warned, for if I grant you this knowledge, you will be eternally chained to My will. Now behold your answer, Faustus, as you are not of the Divine Order. Abruptly, silence consumes the darkness. Gradually open your eyes. Fear not, young one, for danger has passed. Stand tall. The grand altar has split open, revealing a passageway for you. The discomfort in your side, a swelling the size of an apple, indicates that time is running short. Enter the altar and proceed. Before you lies a large cave, divided by a dark chasm. Across the chasm stands a temple, reachable only by a set of stairs sprouting from the chasm's edge. The chasm is overgrown with menacing black thorns coated with a glimmering poison a single pathway devoid of the venomous foliage provides safe passage from the needle filled chasm to the temples stairs upon reaching the top four thorned beings known as the four living creatures await you these beings covered with eyes on both sides observe you with a disconcerting curiosity the first creature resembles a lion the second an ox the third bears the face of a man while the fourth mirrors a mighty eagle. Each creature has six wings, veiled with countless eyes, even underneath the wings. At the foot of each creature, a figure kneels in constant prayer, their bodies stretched and contorted to mimic eternal worship. Marked with a cross-like rune on their backs, they are the punished ones. Consider yourself lucky. Their mutilated faces are hidden from you. These creatures were once men, rulers who stained their lands with innocent blood. They are now bound to worship the four living creatures eternally, a fitting punishment for their wicked deeds. These four entities will each present a key, adorned with unique emblems. The lion-like creature offers its key and declares, Yes. The ox-like being offers its key, whispering, Move on. The man-faced creature hands you its key, uttering, Create. Finally, the eagle-like entity gives you the last key, pronouncing, Ascend. Choose quickly. The punished ones are stirring, their skin crackling like autumn leaves. Once they spot you, their intent will be murderous. Take the correct key. Your intuition will guide you. Then run. Run as if your life depends on it, for it does. Do not slow down until you reach the church, the dark mirror from your awakening. Break through it, heedless of the glass shards. Do not look back. Do not dare to glance back. You will regain consciousness soon. The pools that were once filled with water have dried, leaving only cracked and barren earth. The moon should be at its peak, casting a red hue over the land. A temporary beacon of light will shimmer in the distance, diminishing as the red moon fades into darkness. My apologies for your suffering, cherished one. It grieves me to request yet more of you, for your body is frail, nearly depleted. Still, I implore you, heed my final plea. You must reach the beacon of light in the distance while the final vestiges of the red moon still illuminate it, lest you be trapped. Fear not, for I am here. Brush aside your anguish, listen to my voice and muster all the strength you have left to reach the light. For Abaddon is here. Even from afar his arrival disrupts your balance. Stand up, little one, time is of the essence. Abaddon draws near, his thoughts focused solely on you. From the brilliant beam of light soaring into the sky emerges a grand archway standing solitary in the wilderness. Within it is a monumental door that stands alone. Our salvation hinges on opening that door before the red moon ceases to glow. Despite the labored sound of your breathing, the blood on your hands, you must pull open the door, making sure to leave just enough space to squeeze through. Finally, you've done it. Hasten inside, slam the door shut, and lock it. The light has faded. The deed is done. If you listen closely, you'll hear a sound reminiscent of buzzing or fluttering, as though millions of wings flapping in unison. Scraping banging sounds will echo from the door's other side, followed by screams. Behind you, a dark tunnel leads towards a light at the end. Advance towards it, my little one, and claim your reward. As you step into the light, your eyes gradually adapt to the brightness You can already feel a gentle breeze caressing your face and hear the soft trickling of a nearby stream. As your vision sharpens, you're greeted with a breathtaking valley sprinkled with hills, verdant fields, and an array of vibrant flowers that pepper the landscape. In the clearing, a crystal blue pond beckons you. As you scoop up the water and drink, it soothes your chapped lips and quenches your parched throat. The water's taste is sweet, and as you swallow, an odd sensation spreads, akin to a harmless electric shock, filling you with a sense of satisfaction. Soon, a new, intoxicating scent lures you towards a group of trees on the far side of the pond. One particular tree emanates this irresistible aroma. Its leaves, flowers, and bark, evergreen and resplendent, promise fruit of exquisite taste and beauty. As you venture closer to the edge of the foliage, you spot a man and woman walking hand in hand. The sight of the couple freezes you in your tracks. They seem to be unclothed. Stealthily, you edge closer, careful to remain concealed behind the undergrowth. I found myself questioning why I hid from their sight. Why should I fear these two unclothed figures? Yes, they were indeed without garments. I took in my surroundings, realizing that my tree stood at the heart of this heavenly grove. Adjacent to my tree was another, equally majestic and awe-inspiring, yet it bore an ominous aura, a palpable power. Observing these two remarkable trees growing within this garden, I grasped the truth of where I was and what this place represented. A sudden vibration from my pocket startled me. It was the key I had chosen. As I extracted the large key and laid it on my palm, I scrutinized the markings on its emblem with newfound clarity. When the winged creature first offered it to me, I had mistaken the design for the infinity symbol. A closer inspection now revealed a serpent devouring its own tail in the shape of the infinity symbol. In that moment, a profound understanding enveloped me. I comprehended my purpose, the reason for my existence. It was the divine will of God to obliterate His creation so he could fulfill his promise to ensnare his adversaries and cast them into a fiery lake for eternal torment. The trumpets heralded the countdown to this preordained end. Those branded as the enemy had spent an eternity attempting to thwart this fate. But how does one outwit a being that is all-knowing, omnipresent? The answer lay in turning the very laws of existence against him. For the universe to exist, he had to establish and abide by certain laws. The Fallen Ones deduced that the only means to avoid the prophesied end was to disrupt the chain of inevitable events leading up to it. They must have created a link between two points in existence, a bridge for me to cross. This would result in a halt and reset to the very start, deviating from the predestined course. Existence became a cyclical phenomenon, a loop doomed to incessantly repeat itself to evade perdition. It was infinity symbolized by the serpent consuming its tail. The serpent, often identified as Lucifer, the adversary of God, was not a sentient entity. Instead, it represented the infinity of time, the sole force capable of opposing God's divine will. It stood as the singular protection against the wrath of an infuriated God. Its familiar presence was instantly discernible. I didn't turn, for I knew it meant me no harm. It lingered behind me for a while, silently appreciating its handiwork. Then it placed a large, cool object in my hands before articulating the final instructions I would receive. I studied the key in my hand, the worn serpent design seemingly coming alive, its jewel-like eye sparkling in contrast to the vibrant red fruit held in my other hand. I realized there was one final task for me. I pondered how many times I had been in this position. How many times had I traversed this bridge and stood in this very spot? Man was made in God's image, but I was different. I represented the serpent. I was Nephilim. The hushed whisper, simultaneously warm and sweet, delivered my final directive in five simple words.